0: Good morning, Impact City. Good morning. Turn around and wave at somebody next to you, somebody you didn't walk into. Man, it is so awesome to be here today. We are excited that you made time to worship with us, and we're excited for our program today and what we have in store. And it is just so awesome to be here together and just to experience Jesus. Amen. There's There's something awesome that happens when we come together and lift up the name of Jesus. As you're standing, we're going to jump right in. I am so excited that Pastor Nathan Thompson from Christ Church in West Monroe, Louisiana, is here with us today. He made time to come and invest in our small groups. We had about 35 yesterday in our training, and there is still room for you. If you didn't show up, don't worry, there's room for you. We want to build off of the the success that our small groups have experienced. Um, he comes with us, he comes to us from a church that has several thousands uh, and they have uh, hundreds of uh, over a hundred small groups and we are excited that he is here with us and he's going to pour into us. So I want you to put your hands together and let's give him a huge Impact City welcome to Odessa, Texas. Let's lift up the name of Jesus together with him. <laughs> <My>
1: brother. <laughs> <clears throat> good morning, good morning. Oh, Joey, thanks, man. Appreciate it, brother. How y'all doing this morning? Y'all good? Man, y'all know how to worship. Y'all been in the presence of God today. I've been over there, man, on cloud nine in the presence of God. Amen. You guys can have a seat, make yourselves comfortable. I'm so honored to be here with you, Impact City. Uh, like you said, I, I come from, uh, so, sorry, from, I got illustrations for you. You ready? You ready for this? Uh, so I, I come from Westminster, Louisiana. I am the small group's pastor It's hilarious. The last small group's pastor, they used to call him the small pastor. I don't think they can get away with that with me. I may be the small pastor, but I'm the big pastor too, right? But uh, no, I am truly, truly honored to be here speaking with you today about community. And Pastor John and Desiree and uh, all the rest of the amazing staff and volunteers here. It's just an honor to be here. (laughs) You know, I kind of feel like family a little bit. Uh, You guys already, man, the hospitality, your kindness has been... Amazing, and so I'm just truly, truly grateful for that. And I'll tell you, man, we're family, we're family, aren't we? Like, we're, we're the family of God, number one. But also, I know recently you guys uh, just joined the Destiny Network family of churches. And man, I'm so excited you guys brought 30 of your beautiful people to, to Western Louisiana, just in June. And man, we grew together, we fellowshiped together, we learned together, we ate a little bit together <laughs> a little bit of that. Uh, that's like Louisiana cooking. And uh, it, it was an amazing amazing time and I'll tell you uh, the first person I hit it off with that I hadn't met before was Adrian Gallegas where you at Adrian he's around here shooting pictures somewhere out back there but uh, man Adrian and I just hit it off so well and we've been spending a lot of time together this weekend and so again just thrilled to be here speaking with you today about community And I will tell you this I um, and so I'm truly excited to share about community. And being from Louisiana, I've got to share some Louisiana humor. Would that be okay if I tell a joke this morning? Would that be all right with you guys? Has, has any Raise your hand if you've heard of Boudreaux and Thibodeau. Anybody hear these guys? A couple of people. So I'm going to introduce you to Boudreaux and Thibodeau today. These are basically uh, Louisiana jokes that kind of poke fun at people from the deep, deep south. Slow witted Cajuns, as they're referred to. Now, I, I'm from the Northeast part. Don't get it confused. Like, that's not me. That's all right. I'm more like the Yankee of Louisiana. Uh, but, uh, and so Boudreau and Thibodeau, I'm going to tell you a story about these guys and introduce you to them. So, Boudreau uh, is walking down the street by Thibodeau's house. Okay. He's just walking by his house and he sees a sign in Thibodeau's front yard. It says, Dog for Sale. And he's like, kind of intrigued. That's interesting. Let me go talk to him. He walks over and he goes, and this is, I'm going to try this Southern Louisiana accent, okay? Just bear with me. He's like, yo, I didn't. what you got a dog for sale back there? Like, how much, how much you want for him? He goes, well, look, just go check him out first and see what you think. Uh, and so, actually, I forgot this part. It's, the sign said talking dog for sale. So he had to go check it out, right? He had to go see. So he rounds the corner, sees this dog next to the tree just laying there. And as he approaches, the dog opens his mouth. And he says, "'Good morning. How are you?' Boudreaux's like, "'Whoa, this is a talking dog right here.'" And he said, "'Yeah, not only can I talk, but I have worked for the FBI, the Central Intelligence Agency, and the Secret Service. I have been all across the nation and all across the world on government missions, secret missions.'" uh for the government and man boudreaux's just like oh my gosh this is amazing this talking dog and he's been everywhere <clears throat> so he runs back around the other side of the house and he says yo Thibodeau, man you gotta not only do I have a talking dog he's been everywhere man how much you want for this dog and, and Thibodeau said man five dollars boudreaux's like five dollars man what why he said because he's a liar he's never been out of that backyard I just love that joke because it's like Thibodeau missed it. The dog could talk like the dog. He just totally, totally missed it. So there you go, a little Louisiana humor. I hope I did all right with this. My first shot at a Boudreau-Thibodeau joke. Pastor Tom tells Boudreau-Thibodeau jokes all the time, and in two weeks you may hear one. So I texted him and I said, hey, don't tell the one about the talking dog. Let me handle that. Anyway, so. Thibodeau kind of missed it, right? And so this morning I want to talk to you about community and the importance of it in our lives. And if we're not careful, we can miss the significance of community in our lives and what God is trying to build in it. So let's get into the Word today. If you have your Bibles or maybe your iPad or your iPhone, I want you to turn to Ephesians 2. And we're going to dive into it. And just to give you some context, earlier in Ephesians 2, uh, God talks, you know, you hear that famous uh, verse, in, uh, verse 8, we'll start there, actually. It says, uh, if you're ready, you guys ready? For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God. It's not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jump down to verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the house of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows together into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just invite you into this time here with us today, God. We invite your presence, God, to illuminate your word, Lord God, and teach us something. God, refine us, shape us, and make us. God, I pray that everyone here today realizes the importance of their involvement in your house, your kingdom, your family. And God, I pray that... uh, You teach us today, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just love the language of this passage. I really love it. So we are God's workmanship, right? God's doing something. We are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus is the cornerstone. We know that Jesus is the center of it all, right? I hope he's the center of your life today. Words like structure, words like some of my favorite words joined together built together right has anyone ever worked construction raise your hand if you've ever worked construction or currently working in construction anyone we got a few hands it's okay you can hold them up all right it's good 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 all right put them down all right so uh, i will tell you i've been in ministry off and on my entire life but i worked for chick-fil-a for 20 years i can sling chicken with the best of them man let me tell you and I don't, anybody ever work for Chick-fil-A? Like, uh, I, I, oh, I see a couple hands. See, you're right with Jesus. I like this. This is good. <laughs> Jesus chicken all the way, man. Uh, and so if you ever stop by Westboro, Louisiana, man, stop at the Chick-fil-A on Thomas Road. Those are, those are my family, man. 20 years with those folks. Some of them worked 17, 18 years with them. And they're some of the most beautiful people in all the world. And so, so I was in the early years of my time with Chick-fil-A, I had this crazy idea because I, I went to church with this guy who was uh, a, a construction engineer and, and he, he built a lot of homes and, and man, I loved him to death. And so I had this wild idea, I'm gonna go work construction. And so he offered me a job and I went to work construction and it lasted about three to six months. <laughs> uh, but I learned a little bit, but man, it's scorching hot days. We did some roofing, we did some slab work. Uh, we, we, we did all kinds of stuff. Uh, but after six months, man, I was like begging to get back in the restaurant. <laughs> I was making a little less money and we had a lot of rain out days, a lot of scorching hot days. And so back to the restaurant I went and the rest is history. Uh, but so with my extensive knowledge of the industry, <laughs> I want to talk to you about construction today. Well, materials used in construction. Is that, is that cool? So I, I've brought this message, is, it's called Brick by Brick, Built for a Purpose. Okay, and so I have here some bricks, just your average, look, uh, thank you, Adrian, he helped me acquire some of these bricks, just a simple, simple brick, you know, we all know what a brick is used for, right, it's used to build something, Uh, most of us live in brick houses, perhaps, Uh, we've seen, and we go to school in buildings that are constructed with brick, Uh, nothing flashy, there's nothing too terribly special about a brick, right, this one's kind of dusty. So if I see dirt all over my clothes today, you'll know what happened, right? Uh, You know, we, we know the purpose of a brick, but sometimes a brick can be used for something it wasn't intended to be used for, right? Like, for instance, in the hand of an angry person, a brick can be thrown through a window and shatter it to pieces, right? In the hands of a violent person, it can vandalize and destroy. In the hands of a hateful person, man, a brick can be used to inflict severe injury and perhaps even kill someone. But in the hands of a builder who has a vision for what this is for, a brick can build a school. A brick can be used to build an orphanage. A brick can be used for something that has real meaning, lasting impact, and extraordinary value. I, uh, in 2005, I went to Honduras on a missions trip, and it changed my life. And uh, we went in this uh, village somewhere near Olanchito, Honduras, and uh, and, and we went to there was this orphanage that had been constructed. Now, this wasn't the most immaculately constructed building, the most perfectly structured building, but it was the most beautiful building I had ever seen. It wasn't because of the building, but because of the little children inside, full of love, full of life, singing songs about Jesus. It was beautiful. You see, whoever holds the brick determines how it gets used, Right? Whoever has the brick determines how it gets used. And so the contractor had a benefit, uh, a a structure in mind that would would benefit uh, the people that came to this orphanage. And honestly, I'm here today to just tell you, uh, I am simply just a brick. (laughs) I'm a brick, right? Right? There's nothing too incredibly special about me. In fact, my wife, when she heard me putting this message together, she said, yeah, finally you're admitting that you're a little thick. <laughs> you're a little hard-headed. I was sharing this message with her, and she said, this explains why you have more than one hole in your head. Like, it makes sense. <laughs> but it's not just me, right? Uh, you're a brick. We are all bricks. You know, earlier in Ephesians 2, uh, the Ephesians describes that we were made alive in Christ and reconciled to God. And verse 19 explains why. Let's read it again. Why did He save us and call us? We are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ, Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And I love this because Pastor John talked about the priority of this church is the presence of God. In him, you are built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, because God is building something, because he has something that he is trying to do, God's people are the bricks in this living, breathing breathing temple of God. And so he's built us for a relationship with each other and first with him. Okay, so I'm... I'm the small groups guy, so I got to tell you, with people, people often get small groups confused with meetings. (laughs) Your small group has a meeting, but your small group is not a meeting. Does that make sense? The small group is the church. The small group is the people. Uh, (laughs) The small group are the people and the bricks and what God is building. So the same thing is true about us. That's true about this brick. Whoever holds. Our hearts, and this is the point on the screen. Whoever holds us determines how we get used, right? So, who has your heart today? Who has your life today? Uh, if you're trying to determine where you fit, if you're trying to determine what meaning and purpose your and significance your life has, I will just tell you, it begins and ends with Jesus, and realizing that He has a plan for you. Now, you may say, "Hey, okay, uh, I'm a believer." Man, I'm living a life of continued surrender. Uh, I'm a believer. I'm following Jesus. But that's the question I have for you is, are you living a life of continued surrender to the plan that the builder has in store for you? Does that make sense? Because I think that's where he wants us. Are you spending time in his word and letting it change you, letting his word refine you? Because if we're just bricks, you guys know the process that goes into making these things? So I did a little research. You can look it up on YouTube. I watched a video about how bricks get made. I was—it's was kind of fascinating. I, I like to learn how things are done. Uh, <clears throat> and so most bricks are made of shale that is dug out of the earth uh, and aged for two years. Then it goes to the factory where a stone wheel grinds the shale into powder. Then it gets mixed with water and and, and heads to the extrusion machine and it's formed of this thick sheet called a slug. It just comes through on this conveyor belt in most places and it's this big. It's called a slug, but it's just rolling through. And then as it rolls through, other uh, materials and things are added. Like if, if somebody wants a different color brick or uh, somebody wants a different look on the brick, those things are added. And then it gets further shaped. It gets cut into the brick-like shape that we see here, right? Then it, uh, then it lifts them carefully and stacks them. And then they go into a dryer for two days. <laughs> uh, and then, man, the, the, the best part This huge stack of bricks goes into this giant oven that heats at about 1,040 degrees Celsius, which is about 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) It's hot. It is hot. I know the summer is pretty much a scorcher, but it's hot. A lot of painstaking detail goes into making a brick. And do you know that a lot of painstaking detail goes into how you were made? And every single one of you were made with a purpose, with a purpose. Psalms 139 says, for you, God, formed me, formed my inmost parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully complex. He made us unique, and he made us to fit together. We're all bricks. We're made to fit together, but we're unique. Each, and he wants to refine us. We sang that song just earlier. Uh, it mentioned refining. And you guys know that song by Maverick City Music uh, called Refiner? I asked the worship team to, like, hey, if you're out there, sing with me. But it goes, you're a fire, refine me. I want to be consumed. You're a fire, the refiner. I want to be consumed. Come on, if you know it. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. I want to be tried by fire, purified. You take whatever you desire. Lord, here's my life. If I want to be the best brick I can be, then I need to submit myself to the refining fire of God and what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in my heart and my life. So, we've been talking about just one brick. We're all each a brick. That leads me to a second point. But what can just one brick do? <laughs> Not a lot. Here's the point. Alone, we can do little. Together, we can do much more. If you're building a house, what can I do with just one brick? Not a lot, right? It's just kind of sits there. <laughs> uh, if I'm if I'm a brick all by myself, what can I be? a paperweight. (laughs) You see, one brick is a paperweight. A thousand bricks is a house, right? Common sense. If I want to build a house, I need hundreds of bricks. If I want to build a city, how many bricks do I need? What if I want to build a kingdom? How many bricks do I need? See, I'm a brick in what God is building, and I derive my purpose and my value from who I am connected to. We are all connected. That's why we say we're the family of God because, man, it's so great. <laughs> man, I show up on Friday and already I feel like family because that's the Holy Spirit. That's what we're, we're united in Christ. One brick is a paperweight. A thousand bricks is a house. And so with small groups, man, this is no clearer purpose. We were not meant to go through life alone. Not meant to do it. We talked about this in small group leader training yesterday. What was the first problem ever mentioned in the Bible? What was it? Loneliness. Most people think sin. Yeah, Adam and Eve, the apple thing, right? No. God said it's, in Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. So loneliness was the first problem that God ever solved in the natural world. Loneliness. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can help reach out and help them. But if someone falls alone, that person's in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. This is one of the reasons I love small groups, and they're so essential to our Christian life, because we weren't meant to go through this thing alone. And here's the thing, a person. Will only be as healthy as their relational connectedness. You know that when you're lonely, your IQ drops 30 points? What do you think happened to a lot of people during COVID? Depression at an all time high, suicide rates went up. Like during 2020, I mean, we saw more clearly than ever before the effects of isolation, it was tremendous. I think about the elderly during COVID in the nursing homes and people just trying to find ways to, to they would come outside the, the window of their loved one and just try to interact with them and put their hand against the glass pane hand to hand. Human beings need touch. So babies in the NICU, if you've ever, I don't know if you're a nurse and you've worked in that, but they they schedule intentional times to, have the, to remove the gloves and have intentional Uh, physical touch, skin to skin with the children, because how much touch they receive is related to the chance for survival. And I'll tell you this, Chris Hodges said this, if the church grows beyond what it can touch, it will become malnourished and begin to die. We need each other. See, God's plan for my life includes others. We need authentic relational connection, authentic community, so we are able to grow. At Christ Church, we say we want to grow larger and smaller at the same time. Larger because heaven and hell are real places, right? And we want as many people as possible to experience what Jesus has for them. But we also mo- must grow smaller through small groups because every person matters. So you can get lost in a crowd. Even in this, this building right here, you can come sit on the back row and, and then leave at the back before anyone has a chance to connect with you, right? That can happen. That's why I, I just feel like everyone is meant to be a part of community. I think it's the heart of God. And so every person matters. And just a side note, because God planned, God's plan for my life includes others, and God is trying to build something with all of us, there really isn't, isn't any room in God's kingdom for celebrity. <laughs> God is not interested in celebrity. He's interested in service. If you want to go far in the kingdom, grab a towel, grab a broom, get to work, love others, learn how to listen, learn how to pray for someone, (laughs) serve. Philippians 2, 1 through 4, I just love this. Do not do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Each of you look not to his own interest, but to the interest of others. You see, this is one of the biggest opportunities we have in small groups Uh, to be a part of authentic biblical community that cares for one another. Uh, And think about this. When you and I are connected for and caring for each other, building each other up, not only are we strengthening the foundations of our own faith, but of the faith of the person next to us. And what God is trying to build becomes stronger. Because we're, we're contributing to that. Does that make sense? All right, and before you think, I don't have much to contribute, man. I don't have much to offer. Let me paint this picture. If you build a fortress, a giant fortress, and then this huge wall, right? It's, it's impenetrable. But then I start removing a brick here, and I take a brick out over here, and i go, let me grab that brick and pull that out right there. What happens to that fortress? All right? It will eventually fall and crumble. It becomes weakened. And that's why the same thing in the kingdom of God. We are all essential. I love small groups because it reminds me of how essential we all are in God's plan. So there's, t- there's two men at my church I want to tell you about. One is Daniel Ford. He's a retired, older guy who serves as a greeter at our church. And Daniel, man, he's like the biggest jovial guy you'll ever meet, like so friendly. And he's just getting the door as a greeter every Sunday, man, talking to everybody that comes through and greeting them. And there was this man that walked in one Sunday, and Daniel had never seen him before. And he walked up to him and immediately. Daniel was like, hey, I haven't seen you before. Like, I'm Daniel. What's your name? His name was Maurice. Uh, and he said, "He said, how you doing, Maurice? Is this your, f- uh, and Maurice said, yeah, this is my first time here. And Daniel goes, but it won't be your last. <laughs> I love this. Next Sunday, Maurice comes back. Who do you think he went to first? He went beeline to Daniel because he knew him, because Daniel stepped outside of himself to say hello. And they got to talking and And he's asking, hey, what do you think so far? And Maurice is like, well, good, but I just don't feel like I've met very many people. I'm not really connected. I'm not sure how to get plugged in. And and Daniel said, well, you know me. And he said, actually, from now on, I'm your accountability partner. (laughs) Like, how how cool is that? He just said, by the way, I'm now your accountability partner. And you want to come with me to Tuesday morning small group? We have a men's Bible study. And why don't you come with me? And lo and behold, the next Tuesday morning, they were both there. And what's cool is this simple process of just putting himself out there and deciding to get in someone's world, uh, Maurice is now plugged in. The man was sharing some insightful things that God was revealing to him in the Scriptures when we had discussion time in our small group. Uh, And he's now super plugged into the church, the men's ministry, connected, all because Daniel saw his job as more than just a greeter. More than just saying hello, you see, every brick matters in what God is trying to build. So every task that happens here at Impact City is ministry, by the way. It's not just the preaching of the word. When you greet someone, when you meet someone, when you step outside of yourself, everything you do is ministry, and every brick matters. (laughs) Now, you might be here this morning, and you go, man, that's great, Pastor Nathan, but if I'm a brick, I don't feel like some newly... Perfectly shaped brick. I don't even feel like these well put together bricks right here, right? You're like, man, I, that just doesn't feel like me. I get it. I get it. Maybe you feel a little more like this brick. This brick right here. This is one brick in a thousand pieces. Any of you feel like this? Can you see that okay? Broken. Beat up by life, hammered apart by circumstance, broken by a situation, maybe the loss of a job, maybe the the death of a family member, maybe something traumatic. Maybe you feel like that. I get it. Do you feel broken? Do you feel unusable? You feel like maybe I don't have much to offer at all. How could God possibly use me? So, being the construction expert, I'm joking. I did some research, and did you know that many broken bricks can be used as what they call backfill? Like, so you got the perfectly shaped bricks, but these broken bricks can be inserted to fill in spaces, to make things fit better, mixed with the mortar. I think this is the joined together part of Ephesians. God takes our broken pieces, our pain, sometimes the only thing we have left to offer him and to make a beautiful mosaic of his grace In 1 Corinthians 27, 28, God loves to use broken things. And check this out. He said, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. He chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose the things that are despised, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. Here's the last point. In God's kingdom, no material is wasted. None. None. If you know a little bit, a, bit, a little bit about brickwork, you know that not all bricks can even be used in backfill. Some of you may be thinking, yeah, that did not really work. Not all bricks can be used that way. So I, I dug a little deeper. <laughs> Just like old bricks, uh, some may not be allowed to be used in some building jobs. But you know, uh, if a brick is blended together with other material like concrete, they can actually be reused in the foundation <laughs> of a building. No material is wasted. I love this verse in Scripture. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. Just like broken things, Jesus can use every broken part of your life, and it actually be, mixes it in with the power of His Spirit to strengthen the foundation of what He's trying to build. Strengthen the foundation of faith in someone else's life and in your own. Pastor John spoke to the leaders at the small group leader training yesterday. You know, we're all about excellence at Christ Church, it's one of our core values. But I totally agree with what you said because it is the difference maker that you can have all the systems and procedures and uh, structure in the world, but without the Spirit of God, the presence of God, it doesn't amount to much. You see, <laughs> we are the bricks. And if you only stack bricks and you don't add the mortar, what do you have? You just have a pile of bricks. <laughs> but if you mix When you add the mortar, the presence of God, suddenly all the broken pieces make sense. Suddenly your life looks, your little looks a lot more. What you bring to God is multiplied by his spirit. And the mortar of his spirit holds the structure together. And so we must have the presence of God in our church, in our small groups. And so if you lead for the first time, I challenge you, you start there. Invite the presence of God in. I'm so glad God uses broken things. I'm so glad. Uh, Vance Havner, one of the most best-loved and renowned revivalists of the 20th century, said this, It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is the broken alabaster box that gives forth the perfume. It is Peter weeping bitterly who returns to even greater power. God uses broken things. And do you know that authentic community is the primary means that God uses to remind us of our usefulness? It's the primary means he uses. This is why the house-to-house ministry in the early church was so important. They met in tabernacles, and they met in house-to-house, and it said, broke bread and ate with glad and sincere hearts, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so it was the rhythm of their life the tabernacle experience, the house-to-house experience. This is why we believe small groups are so important. We all need a place where brokenness can be revealed so we can finally see that what we've been through and how God wants to use it makes sense. 2 Corinthians 1, through 4-5, he com- comforts us in our trouble so that we can comfort others when they are in trouble. We will be able to give the same comfort that God has given us. God never wastes a hurt. No material ever gets wasted. And God uses broken things. If you don't mind, can maybe the worship team start coming up and maybe play something softly on the piano? So if God uses broken things and God wants, we need an opportunity to be an authentic community. When will we do this? When will we get vulnerable and really walk out the faith uh, that God has called us to? This is where small groups come in. And as I begin to wrap up, I want to tell you guys about a, a concept called the Jahari window. This really helped me. Uh, it, it's a model that developed by modern psychologists in the 1950s that helps us understand our relationship with others and, uh, and how we interact socially. And see, the Jahari window stipulates that there are four areas of life that we live, move, and interact in, and it's a method for understanding the importance of community. Number one, and I think it'll be there on your screen, it's uh, It's the arena. This is kind of where we all live our life, in the arena. It's stuff that you know and it's stuff that I know as well. It's our open self. It's what I allow you to see and what you can clearly see. What I want you to see. Uh, But here's the deal. It's dangerous to live only in that area. To only live in a reputation management stage where you don't let people see what's really going on in your heart. Then number two, there's the mask. This is stuff that I know, but you don't know. This is the hidden self. You see, you can't remove the mask everywhere, but you need to remove it somewhere. You can't m- remove the mask with everyone, but you need to remove it with someone and with certain someones. You are only as sick as your secrets. Small groups help create an environment where a person get get honest so they can get healed. Listen, this is James 5 16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be what? Healed. There are people that will go their entire lives and only live in the arena and never ever remove the mask. And so many people have lived their lives so long with the mask in place that when they finally remove it, it's like they're having to pull at it with all their might. And Bits of flesh may come off. I know it's a little gross to talk about, but it may hurt a little bit. It may be a little raw when you first do it. But James 5.16 says we must do that. You need to have a place with people you trust in that love you genuinely. Authentic biblical community where you can finally stop pretending. Finally stop rolling on another layer of paint. This means a lot to me because... I'm getting a bit emotional. My parents, after 47 years of marriage, separated about five months ago. And what's crazy is, I love my parents dearly, both of them. But we were in ministry and we were a family doing our thing, but behind closed doors, the big family secret was that mom and dad, they're not doing too good. In fact, they haven't been right for a long time. (laughs) And we became professionals at grabbing that paintbrush and roller and just rolling another coat of paint. But underneath, you, you're broken. <laughs> you need a place where you can remove the mask so you can be healed. That's why community is important. Third area is a blind spot. This is stuff that you know, but uh, sorry you know, but I, I don't know. This is stuff that you can see, but I can't see. This is the blind self. We all have these areas. We have blind spots. We have areas in our life and perhaps our character that that don't quite make sense. We need someone to speak in our life. If you see something in, so if you see, if I'm in community with you and you see something in my life that needs needs to be corrected, I hope that you love me enough to tell me. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. And I'm going to try my best to honor my parents, but I'm going to share this. One of them, (laughs) I'm not going to say which one, they might be listening now, but we had a conversation three months after they had separated. And I said, you know, and I'd learned this from my own life, that that biblical community is a really healthy thing that I need. And, And I said, I need people that speak into my life. I need people that can speaking in my world, and I, I thank God at Christ Church, we have an amazing men's ministry, and I have men that do just that. Men that I get vulnerable with, men that, that can see my blind spots and warn me. But I asked one of my family members, and I, I said, do you have that? And they said, I'm not going to say he's she, they said, uh, yeah, I got people that are speaking in my life. Absolutely. Can they speak into your marriage? And they said, My marriage is none of their dang business. There you go. Right there. When you and I wall off parts of our life from biblical community, we leave ourselves vulnerable. When you and I have no accountability whatsoever, people that love us, that that protect us sometimes from ourselves, and we're not willing to open up and hear what they may see, it doesn't mean they're always right, but they may see something we should at least consider. It's like you and I trying to drive down the road, the interstate, at 70 miles an hour, but we've removed the side mirrors and the rearview mirror. Think about it. You try not being in a ditch. You try switching lanes and getting anywhere safely without your side mirrors and your v- rearview mirrors. So we need accountability. We need each other so that we can be healed and so we can receive those faithful wounds of a friend. Is this making sense? You guys get this? The fourth area is potential. This is stuff I don't know and you don't know. Potential. And we all have God-given potential within us. And maybe it's buried, maybe it's a little hidden, maybe you've built a wall or layered on some paint like I did for many years. But your potential, how will you ever know unless you're around others in community? How will you ever know what God is trying to mine out of your life See, God's system for us to find our potential is each other. It's how he does it. Iron sharpens iron. When someone sees something in you that you didn't see, you go, you know what, I believe in you. Countless are the times that me as an individual, and then when I became a pastor, and I said, you know what, (laughs) I see something in you. I think you'd be great at XYZ. And they go, really? You think so? And then suddenly it ignites something. And so our potential is something. God uses community to draw that out of us. Uh, Proverbs 20, 17 is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to step out of the arena, to find a place where you can remove the mask. I want you to allow people into your life to warn you of blind spots so you can find out where you fit. So you can find out how you fit together because that is God's intended purpose for each of us in what he is trying to build. I talked to a contractor friend the other day. He said, you know what's, what's really cool? Is the distressed, weathered, imperfect brick is at an all-time high value. <laughs> because it often makes the building even more beautiful. People are paying double and triple the price for this weathered, distressed brick. You see, when we intentionally remove the mask and allow others to see what God has done in us, he uses it for his kingdom, his purpose, and to inspire faith in others. And that's a priceless thing. That's what the business our God is in of taking broken things and making something beautiful out of it. To draw all men to him, the realization that Jesus has a blueprint for your life and for my life, And only when we allow him in and participate in his family will we finally understand where we fit. Because God is building a kingdom, something that's imperishable, incorruptible, something that will never be destroyed. He invites us in as his brick into this kingdom he is building. So today, if you haven't put your life in his hands and given your life to Christ, I invite you. My hope is that you will trust this Loving builder with everything you have, with everything you've got, because he wants to make something beautiful of your life. Even if you have been roadblocking his work for so long, I want you to take the guardrails off. I was at the Impact City Kids, and I love the construction, under construction area. Have you seen that over there? It's really great those guardrails that block those roads that are broken and being worked on, I want you to remove the barriers and let the Spirit of God into your life. Why don't you do that today? Why don't you decide to take a step towards community, take a step for what God has for you today? If you will, let's bow your heads. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, Pastor Nathan, I, I don't, I've never really if I'm being honest I've never really done that I've never really surrendered to Jesus I've never really given him my brokenness I've never given him all these parts of my life in fact I thought maybe he didn't even want it that maybe he couldn't even use me I'm going to tell you today is the day of salvation the moment is now to surrender and the, the time appears to be short and so you really need to to ask yourself, do I want to be a part of this? I'm gonna tell you, Jesus died, he sacrificed everything so that you could be whole again, so he could give you meaning and purpose and value. And here's the thing, you can tell the value of something by how much someone's willing to pay, and Jesus paid it all. He gave it all for you and for me. And so if you're here this morning, you say, you know what, I'm ready. I want to give Jesus my life. I want us to pray together. A simple prayer, but a prayer from your heart. And I want everyone in the room to pray it together. A prayer of surrender. A prayer of saying, Jesus, I want to give you my everything. And let's pray that together. Everyone, full voice, everyone in the room, just repeat after me, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for holding the blueprint for my life. I give you all of me. I invite you into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Take the broken pieces of my life and put them together again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you gave God your life today, I want to, as we're about to have a, a time here at the altar, I just want you to make sure you tell Pastor John, tell some of the leaders here that decision you made, because they want to celebrate with you. <laughs> They want to welcome you into the family because you're a brick that matters. You're a person that matters in God's kingdom and you will find how you fit. The Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. And so please make them aware. If you guys will stand to your feet. The worship team's gonna lead us in another worship song. And look, if you're here and you say, you know what? I'm a believer, I've given Jesus my life, but I've been holding back. I've been keeping my broken, shattered pieces to myself. I've been afraid to let anyone see my brokenness, and I'm ready today to step into community. I'm ready today to step into all that God has for me because not only do I want to be healed and whole, but I want to be used by Him. And so we're going to have a time at the altar, and I want to invite you to just come and surrender, just to surrender to whatever His Spirit wants to do in your life. I'm going to pray and then a the worship team's going to play a song, okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for your presence in this room today. Thank you for your word that it will not return void. God, thank you, God, that while I can't do the work of transformation, while no person that can do what you can do, God, you are doing what only you can do, God, and you're changing hearts. Lord God, you're healing people from the inside out. Lord God, you're calling us to something greater. God, you're calling us to be a part of this kingdom that you've built. And every single one of us is essential to what you're building. Every single person matters. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your sacrifice. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment at the altar. God, we invite you into this moment right now as we worship. Come and change us, refine us, rebuild us into your kingdom the temple of the living God where you will reside. We love you and we give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.